Welcome to the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour with your host and founder, Alex Burr. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm your host, Alex Burr, and I just wanted to um, clarify a few things. I apologize. It's been a while, Um, but I should be back more now. We're going to be throwing out a new format. Not this week, because um, if you check today's date, today's date is the NBA trade deadline. So I'm going to be doing a trade deadline extravaganza. Um, just breaking down all the trades, breaking down my read on them and what it means for the state of the league. Um, really interesting deadline in that not a lot of stars got traded, but let me let me explain the new format going forward because I'm going to be ditching the team concept. As much as I love the team concept, um, after three years of doing it, after getting real familiar with the league, there's only so much more intrigue you can have after watching, you know, another Patrick Beverly pull-up jumper, you know, like three times a week, Um, you know, after watching another, you know, like after there's new faces occasionally. New faces are fun, but there's not a whole lot of them around the league, if you notice. And what was fun about the first year doing the Power Hour is that, yeah, I knew a lot about the NBA, but I felt like there was so much more for me to discover. And doing it in this format really helped me. But now that I don't have as much time and what I had a lot of in the first year doing the power hour was time. What I don't have a lot of now is time. So this new format will hopefully help me make more com- content and hopefully make better content as well. Um, the plan going forward is to do like national storylines, kind of like a national NBA podcast, but also I'm still going to do the next stuff. Um, and uh, boy, will I have next stuff for you today. Um, I'm going to kind of center it around those things. And then also I'm going to have a game or two of the week. So, you know, kind of mix in some stuff, kind of keep it fresh, you know, because yeah, I've been doing this for the last four years now. We've been going strong since the bubble season, literally since the bubble. So this is technically our fifth season doing the power hour now. And so it's time for a change. Um, And I know it's kind of abrupt coming in the middle of the season, but it'll, this should hopefully help me. Um, finish the regular season strong and then um, in the postseason we'll have something exciting for you and that's all I'll say for the moment but um, on to the trade deadline so uh, you guys have heard me say before if you're a loyal listener to this podcast that the trade deadline usually has themes right like the 2021 deadline is always one I come back to and that's the year where the uh, magic just blew everything to smithereens and they traded Aaron Gordon to the Nuggets, traded um, Busevich to the Bulls, traded Fournier to the Celtics. Yeah. And they were the team of that deadline, right? And like they were kind of the team that everything flowed out of. And you can kind of like track a narrative through that team. Now, I'm not going to start with the team that the narrative flowed out of this year, but it was definitely Detroit. I'm actually going to save them for last because they kind of blew everything up. and. Um, yeah, the, the trade deadline definitely kind of flowed out of Detroit this year, Detroit, Toronto, um, Brooklyn a little bit, but I also, Brooklyn's not, I'm not really going to mention them cause they didn't really blow it up per se. They just kind of, I, I don't really know what they're doing 
um to be honest so um on that note we're just we're gonna start with the knicks because obviously as you guys heard at the beginning <laughs> it's practically gonna be a knicks podcast now with a lot of national stuff on the side um or maybe the other way around but the knicks are huge winners of this deadline in my opinion i think on the actual day of the deadline came away with the best player um, they got Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks from the Pistons. They sent Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, Malachi Flynn, um, Ryan Archdiakono as well, and two second round picks to the Pistons. So I think this price for getting the only like real piece I think the Knicks gave up was Grimes. Like Grimes was a real, real good player for the Knicks, but he also had his troubles with Thibodeau. Well-documented, by the way. Um, you know, he was famously frustrated with his role. Um, so that hurts to give up if you're the Knicks. Giving up those second-round picks probably also hurts. But you know what doesn't hurt? Getting Boyan Bogdanovich, who 20-point-a-game score consistently for the past five years, one of the most consistent scorers in the NBA. And Bogdanovich just is one of those guys, you know, maybe not the best defensively, but he's a guy. I can know what I'm getting out of him. He's going to be stout. He's going to, he's going to play his role. And I don't even know if he starts for the Knicks. I, I went from saying they didn't have any front court depth. To now they have a ton of it and they didn't give up. The only like rotation player they gave up from their backcourt was Grimes. And now they have Deuce McBride. They have um, DiVincenzo. They have Hart. They can move. They can slide Hart back up to the backcourt, which is I probably think his best position. Um, they're going to be able to attack the buyout market, and the buyout market is probably going to be pretty strong. So you're going to have options on top of options on top of options, and and, and plus you got Alec Burks, <laughs> who was pretty good for the Knicks the last time they um well against the. Hawks in 2021. Alec Burks for the Knicks. Um famously left for Detroit. Has been pretty good for the Pistons the last couple of years, but also um Pistons fans have not been happy that he has been playing over the young guard. So you you clear that space. Basically, uh, if you've seen Moneyball, um this whole deadline for the Pistons was you can't play Pena. And it's it's something from because this is this whole trade deadline, I think, has been a major indictment on Monty Williams. Because I'll just say that it's been a major indictment on Monty Williams. Anyway, um, so you get two competent players, right? Alec Burks is probably going to be your ninth or tenth man. Boyan Bogdanovich will probably be your sixth or seventh man. I'd have to imagine. Um, he's probably already your. I love OG. I, he's a better scorer than OG. Um. So he's probably your third best scorer and you can bring him off the bench. You can play him next to OG. You can play him next to Randall. Um, he can play the four. He can play. And it, this move is great for them right now because OG is dealing with a foot injury and who knows how long he's going to be out. Um, so it feels, it fills an immediate need as, as well as a playoff one where they're going to have a strong rotation, right? to supplement Jalen Brunson and what he's been doing. And the floor is going to be incredibly well-spaced now. 
<laughs> like the spacing is going to be remarkable. You will not be able to take away Brunson. He's going to have so much more room to operate. And especially if that pull up holds off, holds up in the playoffs. They, I feel ready to book it, that they will at least be a second round team. And I am willing to go on the record and say, this is not Knicks fan me talking. This is unbiased observer of NBA basketball, Alex Burr talking. They might be good enough to make the conference finals. Now, will they? I can't say for sure, but I think they have a shot. They, they're deep enough. They, their star player is good enough, I think. Their star player has been playing well enough where you can't rule it out. And they've just been one of the, consistently, they've been one of the seven best teams in basketball all season. So I, I can't, I, I mean, I can believe they pulled this off because it's the Knicks. They've under Leon Rose. Okay. I don't even remember who was the GM before Leon Rose, but under the Leon Rose administration, they've turned themselves into one of the best managed salaried cap teams, right? Like they manage their books incredibly well, like to a T they manage everything. All their T's are crossed. All their I's are dotted. Everything is impeccably well-managed. Like Julius Randall, not overpaid Jalen Brunson. They managed to get Julius Randall on a discount contract coming off of an all NBA season. And it was so brilliant. Like most of their teams would have succumbed and gave him like a super max. No, they were able to get him for like, I think like a $150 million contract over four years, which is like chump change now after what Jalen Brown just signed. So I, I think the Knicks, <laughs> um, after years of not being, after years of being one of the most poorly run teams in all of basketball, they, again, this isn't me being like, oh, I like the Knicks this year. They might actually be one of the best run teams in all of basketball. I can't believe I'm saying this about the New York Knicks, but they were right to go. Like, I have to eat crow because I was, you know, like, what's the hype around Jalen Brunson? Why is everyone like, oh, the Knicks need to go after Jalen Brunson? I was wrong about that. They were right. He's hit another, like, two levels higher than I ever thought he could get in New York. And he's playing like a true blue, like star, right? Julius Randall is playing better. Julius Randall played out of his mind in 2021 and he's playing better than he did that year. Okay. OG and Anobi rock star move for them. Rock star move. Um, Dante DiVincenzo back to where he was when he was getting all that hype in Milwaukee, you know, like they've got nothing. <laughs> They've only gotten a few things wrong, right? Like that Fournier contract. But what they do in that Fournier contract, they had that nice little team option there. So instead of it being an expiring next year, it was an expiring this year, right? Just all the little things they've done well, right? Like team options. They've The Knicks love team options. And I just don't know how to explain it. Like they've become an in- I didn't think Leon Rose had it in him. You know, I thought it was going to be Rob Polinka all over again. And to be fair, to be fair, Rob Polinka has done a fine job. I'm not going to say he's done good, but also I don't know how much he's actually getting to run the show versus how much LeBron is running the show in Los Angeles. Um, the moves I think he's clearly made, I think have worked out well versus the moves magic clearly made versus the moves LeBron made. 
Um, so <sighs> Leon Rose, you guys have earned my respect. Something I never thought I'd say about the New York Knicks front office. Um, when Mitchell Robinson gets back, when Isaiah, let me tell you this, they're getting something out of Precious Achua. Okay. He was thought to have been a lost cause. Like he was just considered a throw in in the OG and Anobi trade. He's playing like legit good rotation minutes for them right now. When Mitchell Robinson gets back, when Isaiah Hartenstein gets back, when OG gets back, when I believe they have one other player, rotation player out right now, when they get their team back, they're still playing at a great level without those guys. When they get their team back, they're not going to be, they're not going to be able to be trifled with. So I'm really excited to see the Knicks going forward. Um, the first game where they where Boyan's able to play, you best believe I'm going to be tuning in because Boyan Bogdanovich catching off of Jalen Brunson threes. That's going to be so much fun to watch. Alec Burks coming off the bench again. I I just can't wait. I just can't wait. So let's um a team that confused me. The Utah Jazz. Um so they got so they got Kira Lewis, Otto Porter Jr. and a 2024 first round pick for Kelly Olytic and Ochai Agbaji. I've never been good at saying that last name. And then they traded away Simone Fontecchio, who's been their starting small forward. Um for Kevin Knox, the draft rights to Gabriella Procida, I'm assuming. And then a 2024 second round pick for the from the Wizards. So that pick will probably be in the 32nd pick. <laughs> or maybe if the Pistons get better, it'll be the 31st pick. Who's to, who's to really say? Um that trade for the that trade for the Pistons is objectively terrible, by the way. Because <laughs> the Pistons didn't get any first round picks from this draft, from like any of the guys, from any of the um players they traded. So yeah, you basically you have one first round pick this year. You're you're objectively terrible. You're one of the worst teams in the league. I'm going to get to the Pistons. I'm going to rip the Pistons a new one because they're so bad. But that trade, that trade in and of itself might be the worst one they made. Um but I don't understand why they traded away their starting small forward. The Jazz are in the play in right now. They're like the 10 seed. And it's not like I mean, it's a close race. Don't get me wrong. Um, so right now, Jazz are 26 and 26. The Warriors are 23 and 25. By the way, Warriors, Rockets didn't make any moves to get better. Rockets are 23 and 27. So the Rockets are three and a half games out of the 10, and Warriors are two and a half. I'm, I'm not good at that. Maybe one and a half. Point stands. That the Jazz have a comfortable cushion, and they just traded away. They're starting small forward. I don't know how much. I don't think Olenek was probably playing for them too, too much. Um, let's let's just go through the minutes here because. <laughs> so Fontecchio was playing 23 minutes a game. Um, let's see. Olenek was playing 20, which it sounds about right for him. Olenek, I love how long he's been able to just stay solid. Um, Agbaji was playing 19.7. I have to say, not a huge fan of the Raptors trading a first round pick, but I like them taking a swing on Agbaji, um, especially because that first round pick probably isn't going to be super, super great. That first round pick is probably going to be in like the 20s because I believe it's probably going to be Oklahoma City's pick and Oklahoma City is like pretty good. Anyway, um, 
So my question just is, are they still trying for the play-in? Like, are they going to be trying to go 41 and 41? I mean, Danny would do this kind of stuff all the time when he was in Boston, right? Like he would try, he would trade, um, he would make trades like this. And then also they would still be competing for the play-in, right? Like he, he bought, not bought, but like, you know, he like basically bought low, whatever the phrase would be on Isaiah Thomas in Phoenix one year. And then they made the seven seed right now. It was the Eastern conference and you know, again, it's just the Eastern conference, but when they were in the middle of that rebuild, right? Like when they were in the middle of the, um, this would have been the year that they, after they drafted Mark smarts, this would have been 2014, 15. They traded for Isaiah Thomas. He kind of led them on a surge and I think they finished 42 and 40. Right. So Danny's not like, I, I obviously have my criticisms of Danny Ainge, but I trust also that he knows what he's doing. I, if I had to guess, I would guess this means more minutes for Taylor Hendricks. He's only played 13 games so far. And he's only played 13.9 minutes in those games. Um, I'm not very smart. <laughs> But I don't believe in the giant Western Conference. You can probably make it. How tall is Keontae George? 6'4", 185. Yeah, that's probably not big enough for the three. Um, they went away from that three giant lineup at the beginning of the season. And I don't think they're inclined to go back to that. Um, Collins has been the starting center for a while now. They moved Walker Kessler to the bench. Um, Larry Markinen quietly is having the exact same season he did last year. Probably even better. And no one's talking about it. No one. Everyone's like, oh, Lowry was so good last year. And just no one's talking about how he's practically doing the exact same this thing this year. 50% from the field, 41% from three, um, 88% from the free throw line. Getting there five times a game probably needs to get there a little more. But yeah, he's been just as good this year. Colin Sexton having a resurgent year. Shocker. Shocker. I never sold my stock in Colin Sexton. I will take back that Jalen Brunson is better than him. But Again, someone has to play the small forward. <laughs> it is an essential NBA position. So I I don't know who's going to play it for them. Um, good luck to you, Utah. I don't know why you would try to miss the playoffs. Um, I, I just don't. It's really confusing to me. I haven't heard a rational explanation for it yet. Um, and yeah, I... Especially the players they got. Like, is Otto Porter going to start at the three for them? Otto Porter's made of glass. Like, how many games has Otto Porter played this year? Otto Porter Jr. He's played 15 games. And I'm going to guess a lot of those have come in the last... No, he's had a lot of DNP CDs, it looks like. So maybe it's... um, He's not hurt? I don't, who's to who's really say? Otto Porter can't stay healthy. His bones are made of glass. He's like one of those guys. He was able to stay healthy the year the Warriors won the championship. But since then, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. I mean, listen, theoretically, right? In theory, Otto Porter is the perfect guy. You slide next to, you know, Larry Markkinen and John Collins and Colin Sexton and whatnot. And Keontae George. In practice, (laughs) I don't know if it works. So... Um, I have always liked Otto Porter. Maybe I really, I really hope that Kevin Knox 
<laughs> isn't the plan. Um, I really hope because that would be it would be dreadful. Um, justice for Kira Lewis, by the way. I just want to say that because that man's been flipped so much this deadline, and I, I just don't I don't understand it. So I, I thought he was good his rookie year. I just don't know what happened. Um, yeah, it's it's strange to me. Anyway, um, I for me. We're just going to move right on to the Raptors. Raptors, clear losers. Second year in a row, they traded away a first-round pick for a free agent to be center. Now, you can make the case that this was more for Agbaji than it was for Olenek. But that was strange. And then what was also strange is that they traded um, Dennis Schroeder and Thad Young for Spencer Dinwiddie. Now, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to get bought out. So, I... Listen. I don't know what the purpose of that whole thing was. Um, I don't know if they acquired picks to waive him or if they just were like, nah, we don't want this guy. <laughs> we're sick of Dennis Schroeder. Um, Dennis Schroeder did make some comments to the media about the team being like disorganized and whatnot. So I know, I know maybe he's not probably the most popular person there, but I just don't, I think I said this multiple times this season. I just don't understand the direction Toronto's going in. Like, what is your aim? You're like wandering through the desert, but instead of like, you know, your eyes are open. You're like, you're wandering through the desert with your eyes closed. And then when you run into a giant cactus, you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> didn't see this coming. No shit, you didn't see it coming. Your eyes were closed. Come on now. It's, it's so ridiculous. Like, it seems like there's no foresight. No, no, whatever. It seems like they're just going off of vibes. And I'm sorry. You can't run an NBA team off of vibes. Like, I, I've said this time and again. Ever since... The whole Kyle Lowry thing. Really, ever since Marcus Saul left, it just seems like this whole thing has gone to just absolute garbage. I don't know if it's bad ownership. I'd be inclined to say it's bad ownership, but if it's bad ownership, why hasn't Masai left? Maybe Masai is making too much money. I don't know. But Masai can do better. We know he can do better. We've seen him do better. He was one of the best executives of the 2010s. Okay. And so far, just Flatly, he's been one of the worst executives of the 2020s. I we really can't say anything differently. And he he just needs to be better, but he's not gonna get fired. The like level of job security that man probably has, right? First of all, he wasn't Brian Colangelo. <laughs> Second of all, he won a freaking championship with the Toronto Raptors. Third of all, he traded away the franchise's probably best player in its history up to that point. And was rewarded for it, okay? So I understand, like, oh, yeah, this guy deserves probably a statue here. But if we're just being honest, this kind of stuff is what made Bulls fans dislike Jerry Krause. You know, this kind of stuff is what, you know, is what gets beloved GMs reviled. And I I don't understand the direction. I don't understand, you know, I don't understand what they're doing. I don't. Again. They had, it was probably going to be a pick in the 30s or not in the 30s, like close to 30, right? Probably like 27, 28, 
26, maybe. Who knows? It doesn't matter. You had no young talent. Why are you trading away first round picks for fucking Kelly Olynyk? I don't understand. It's so silly. You need all the young talent you can get. You need. And if you just go through the Raptors draft history of the last couple of years, other than Scotty Barnes. Let's let's just you guys humor me for a second. Okay. Raptors. Draft history. There we go. List of Toronto draft picks. Okay, so 2023, Gertie Dick. Obviously, it's a little too early for us to Okay. Christian Coloco, I believe, is out of the league. Okay. Obviously, the 33rd pick in the 2022 draft, but did not have a first-round pick in 2022. Okay. 2021, Scotty Barnes famously worked out well. Delano Banton, little overhyped, um, is now not on the Raptors. Malachi Flynn, I don't think was ever really given a chance to succeed. If we're just being blunt about it. And now I don't, he's not going to get cut by the Pistons, but I don't know how much he'll play, especially given the positional overflow in Detroit. Um, Didn't have a first round pick in 2019. believe that was taken by the Grizzlies. 2017. They have not hit on a first round pick since before Scotty Barnes since 2017. OG and Anobi. Okay. And you just like look at the guys they drafted before this. Um, OG, Jakob Pertl, Pascal Siakam, Delon Wright, um, Norm Powell's in here somewhere because I believe they drafted him. Um, Terrence Ross, obviously didn't stick around that long. Valanchunas, Valanchunas was before Masai, but still, point stands. I'm Terrence Ross might have been before Masai too, actually. Now that I think about it, but the point stands ever since OG, they have not hit on anybody but Scotty Barnes. And that kind of thing kills a franchise. It just does. And it's because that's 2017 to 2024. Just in regular years, that is seven years. That's five drafts. And you have one good player to show for it. So I don't know if they need to beef up their scouting department. I don't know what's up with that, but something some work needs to be done in Toronto. And I don't know if the work will be will be done. Um listen, I, I hope Akbaji does well. I hope all the young players that they acquired this deadline do well because I like a lot of the young players they acquired. But I just hope for their sake it all works out. Um, a team I thought was a winner. Okay. We're going to do the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, you'll, you'll probably look at a lot of these moves and be like, Alex, why are, why are they winners? And I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay, so the obvious win was getting Buddy Heald from the Pacers. Okay, so the um, Sixers sent back Marcus Morris, Furkan Korkmaz, who, by the way, <laughs> funniest subplot of the day. Furkan Korkmaz has been trying to get out of Philadelphia since Brett Brown was the coach. Um, and now they finally traded him. He's finally gone. A 2024 second round pick, 2029 second round pick, 20, uh, two 2029 second round picks, and, and $1.5 million in cash going to the Pacers. So pretty good um, return for an expiring contract if you're in Indiana. And then 
they dumped Daniel House, who was promptly waived to the um, Pistons in the Knicks 2024 second round pick. And I don't, I don't think the Pistons said anything back. It was just a like, clear salary dump. Um, they traded Patrick Beverly to the Bucks for a campaign in the 2027 second round pick. And yeah, so that was basically the extent of their moves on the day. But what I appreciated was they got, they got a little bit better and they got under the luxury tax. And the luxury tax was at 165 million, right? Give or take. So they, um, house's salary alone, just dumping house. Oh, they all traded Jay to the Celtics, the other one I missed. Um, so trading house alone probably would have gotten them under the luxury tax, but. Morris plus Corkmus is 22 million. Um, he has 19. So they've saved, like, they're like pretty clear under the luxury tax now. Like, and they could sign two minimum contracts. And I think they might still be under the tax after that. Don't me, especially being Springer. Um, they should be clear to sign two veteran minimum contracts for the rest of the season and stay under the luxury tax. Um, and I'll say one of the Pacers trades because the Pacers are going to come back up. Pacers rerouted Marcus Morris to San Antonio, and a lot of the teams that would like to take a look at Marcus Morris probably can't. So there's a good chance Marcus Morris <laughs> will just be heading right back to Philadelphia. He might not, might not even had to leave his house today. So, um. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they proceed from here. A lot of people were thinking maybe they get a better player than Buddy Heald, but his movement shooting is going to help them a lot, especially when Joel's back. Um, if you just like watch the chemistry that Joel had with JJ Redick, I think that they can repl- him and Buddy can replicate that pretty, pretty easily. So you're going to have that element of it. Plus you're going to have, you know, this will open up a lot of things for Tyrese. I think I'd still probably start Melton, but I don't know actually, cause Melton's can come off the bench. Buddy is pretty insistent on being a starter. So probably I'd start buddy actually. Um, buddy likes to start. So I'd probably start buddy and then I'd probably play Melton more just cause of the defense. But I think what's nice about it is that you could probably play both of them together. Um, especially because you have Batum, who's a ball handler. I think Philly just has a lot of lineup combinations now. Funnily enough, they're kind of like Clippers East, where they just have like combinations on top of combinations on top of combinations. And it's just like, okay, we can do this now, we can do this now, we can do this. Like we have, oh, we can play a small ball lineup with Batum, Covington, and then we can do like, you know, Ubre at the three. Healed at the two, Maxi at the one, or we could do Melton at the two, Maxi at the one. We could do Healed at the two, Melton at the one. It's just like so many variable parts. Or we could go big, you know, we could do Reed at the five, we could do Embiid at the five. I love when teams are so versatile like this. And the other guy that they've been linked to, I think pretty confirmed that this guy's probably coming here. 
Um, Kyle Lowry, because we everyone knew, right? <laughs> everyone knew when that Rosier trade happened, he was not going to be a Charlotte Hornet for the rest of the season. Shocker, right? I mean, everyone, anyone with the brain knew that he was not going to be in Charlotte the rest of the season. Um, but Philadelphia, him coming off the bench as the backup point guard will be fascinating because I think him playing off of Embiid, him playing off of the other stars, you put him on a team like this where he can just be a distributor, just be a spot up shooter. It's kind of like getting Chris Paul right at this stage of his career, but he'll be making a minimum. He'll be doing a lot of stuff Chris Paul provides, but he can shoot. And Chris Paul's main problem right now is that he can't shoot. So you get that guy who can shoot. I think that's going to be insanely valuable. And if Philadelphia can get that guy, man. So I don't, well, let's say they don't get Morris, but they're still going to have an opportunity for one more buyout guy. I'm thinking Philadelphia is probably going to be the favorite for buyout guys because they're going to, that new, um, new luxury tax restriction. If you're over the second apron, you can't sign guys over who made over 17 million or 12 million, excuse me. And Morris was making 17.2 and Philadelphia with this move, they would have been able to before anyway, but, um, so you could probably take Milwaukee out for Marcus Morris and Kyle Lowry, by the way, you could take Milwaukee out for them. You could take Phoenix out for them, the Clippers. Um, I'm trying to think who else, um, Boston, I think. And there's one more. I think the Lakers. I'm not too sure. Um, one other. Oh, the war. The Warriors. The the Warriors. I think would be like the ninth highest payroll in baseball, <laughs> where there's no salary cap. Um. So you have those five, but I think Philly. I was talking about, you know, the Knicks could make the Eastern Conference Finals. I think with full health, you could. Pr- you could maybe lock in a Philly Eastern Conference finals appearance. I, I don't want to say that for sure, but I'll say this. The East playoffs will be very fun. Um, Let's go ahead and move on to a team that confused me. The Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I like the first move. The second move, I'm not as high on as the first one, but not for the reasons people might think. Okay, so they are getting Daniel Gafford from the Washington Wizards. Rashawn Holmes, another favorite of mine, although sadly, I don't think it's going to be the same after the Sacramento stint. Um, that, that's If you hear that sound in the distance, that's me shedding a tear um, in draft compensation. Um, they said the draft compensation, like David Aldridge did, or other pe- like Washington people, but I don't um, remember exactly what it was. Um, and then they also, the Mavericks will also be receiving... TJ Washington from the Hornets for and two second round picks. The Hornets will be getting Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a top two protected 2027 first. So, I mean, there's no way that pick doesn't concede. The Hornets are really stockpiling 2027 first round picks. They're going to be like a 2028 super team, huh? Um, the reason I'm not as high on this trade as a lot of people seem to be, for, I, mean, I get it. Grant Williams is not the most popular player in the league. He's definitely overrated. <laughs> He's definitely. I don't even. I don't even know what the equivalent would be. I can't think of one. Um, 
But Grant, I, I'm just saying, PJ's a really good player. Like he has ball skills. He has. Okay, here's I'm, I figured out what I want to say. What PJ Washington brings to the table, I don't know, is what the Mavericks need. Like, he's a big man, right? He's six seven though, which is my first concern. Um, I don't know how much I trust his perimeter defense because he's gonna have to play the floor, like especially on this team. Um, Lively and now Gafford, and by the way, who's gonna start now at center? I mean, Lively's been awesome this year, but do you start Gafford or do you start Lively? Excellent question. Um, let's see. Okay, no, I was just I got a well, tweet notification, but it was just nothing. Um, so that, that's going to be a question that people are going to have to ask. And then is PJ Washington's perimeter defense going to hold up? Is his three point shot going to hold up? What is he? He's been a pretty good three point shooter, but now he's actually going to be playing pressure filled minutes for the first time. Ever basically, they've never made the playoffs. Every time they've made the play in, they've gotten their asses absolutely handed to them. So, okay. So, this year, oh goodness, he is shooting absolutely dreadfully from three. Um, so career 36% from three. This year, he's at 32.4%. I'm willing to guess it's because he's not starting. Last year, he had a career year, um, 15.7 points. 4.9 rebounds. Um, 44% from the field, 35% from three. Last year really was his best year. But also, I just I just don't know. Like he doesn't rebound. Is he a small five? Is he a big four? He's not even a big four anymore. Like, that's just like that's kind of a small four now. Like PJ Tucker was six five, and he was considered really small. And PJ Washington's not even half the defender his fellow PJ was. Like, and not even half the like wide open shooter. I, I don't know. I, I think I understand why Grant Williams got a lot of vitriol, we'll call it, because he's not the world's greatest player. <laughs> Far from it, actually. Um, but he is, I'm trying to find a, find a nice way to say this. Um, he could hit open threes. I mean, he did win them a playoff game, right? Was that him? Pretty sure it was Grant Williams. Let's see. I'm just going to pull up three point attempts in the. Game log. So, okay. Game seven against Milwaukee. Yeah, seven for 18 from three in game seven. I mean, not a lot of whole, not a lot of people can say something like that, you know? And I understand, you know, maybe he has a grading personality, <laughs> which is what a lot of people say. You know, I understand maybe his defense isn't the best, but I, I just... It's not his fault. You paid him, you know, however much blame, you know, the team for being so stupid, (laughs) but 
I mean, I I just I don't know what the Mavericks like wanted out of that spot, but hopefully PJ Washington is able to give it to him. I, I, so that's what I hope because I really like PJ Washington. I do, and I don't want this to fail because I feel like if it fails, he's going to get a lot of backlash. Backlash he probably doesn't deserve because he is a damn good player. But I don't know if this is the right role for him. And I I have a feeling like they're going to throw him right in the starting lineup. And I just have a feeling like it's going to be a recipe for disaster. And I'm hoping it's not. But I I just want him. I want him to succeed. He's one of the best play, like one of my favorite players to watch in the league. When he's going, when he's going, not a whole lot of players can stop him. Right. I mean, he just had a random 43-point game earlier, like like a month ago. I don't even think it was a month ago. See, 43-43. Yeah, he scored 43 points two weeks ago. <laughs> two weeks ago on January 27th against the Jazz. 17 for 22 from... From the field, seven for nine from three. Do you want to know what he followed that up with? Seven for 19 from the field, two of nine from three. Next game, 10 of 17 from the field, pretty good. Three of nine from three, not so good. So his outside shot, maybe it's because he's playing in Charlotte. You know, maybe it's because Miles Bridges is back. Maybe he that threw off his rhythm. I don't know. Maybe Miles Bridges, maybe not playing with Miles Bridges will help PJ Washington. I'm just, I hope that's the case and not, you know, and not something else. Um, oh, by the way, I hope Seth Curry gets bought out and gets to go to a team that will actually play him because it's, it's a disgrace. I'm going to, I was going to do the Pistons and the Pacers. Well, let's, let's do the Pacers because I don't really know what they're doing. Um, the heel trade, I obviously just talked about that. Um, then rerouted. Um, Marcus Morris, and they also gave a second round pick to the Spurs for Doug McDermott. And then the Warriors swooped in last trade of the day, actually. Um, Corey Joseph coming back to the Pacers as well. And from the Warriors, I believe Cash and a second round pick will be going to the Pacers. The second round pick will be going to the Warriors as well. Um, I don't understand what they're doing. Like, my guess, my read is that Marcus Morris just didn't want to play for them and was like, I want to get bought out. I want to go either back to Philadelphia or to another contender, um, try to get a ring or something. I don't know. I, I just, I'm confused, I guess. Um, because I thought Marcus Morris could have actually played for them. I, I just don't get it, but. Um, Doug McDermott obviously has played in Indiana before, as has Corey Joseph. Um, Cork Maz, um, again, Cork Maz finally free, I guess. I, I don't know. It's just a weird, a weird thing that healed isn't expiring. So you weren't going to get much for him. Right. And Morris, I believe, isn't expiring as well. So, um, you know, you weren't going to get much in return. I wouldn't be surprised that McDermott, like if none of these guys actually play for the Pacers, like 
there's a chance McDermott gets rotation minutes. A chance. But I don't think so. Because I I would wager to guess my my hopeful reading of this trade is that, oh hey, you know, we want to open up more minutes for our first round picks from last year. Um, Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard. That would be my hopeful reading for this trade. Because otherwise I, I haven't got a damn clue why you make this trade. Uh, why you make these trades. Um obviously healed if he was gonna leave. This is better than nothing. I don't know, I think I would have rather had nothing and just ridden the wave. Like sometimes it's fine to just lose a guy for nothing. <laughs> Like, I don't know. Just, it's two more months. You can't live in Indianapolis for two more months, buddy. <laughs> Not like buddy in a condescending tone, like his actual name. Like, you can't, I don't know. Um, I, I'm sure buddy will be happier in Philadelphia, right? I'm sure, you know, and I'm just sure, you know, it'll probably be happier for everybody. But I don't have much of a stink what you've had to be making for you to justify not keeping him. I don't know. Like, Buddy Heald unlocked a lot for the Pacers. And the Pacers were full of backcourt people. Now, Korkmaz ostensibly is a three. McDermott is definitely a three, can play the four. But here's here's the thing. Do you want either of those guys actually playing for you? McDermott, maybe. Korkmaz, definitely no. And Corey Joseph, there's a fat chance in hell he sees the court. So I don't understand it. I really don't. Um, and I, I just am confused. <laughs> but I, I think that, hey, maybe, you know, these moves help them win in 24, 25. I, I can't say for sure. And now, well, let me, let me talk about these other two trades real quick before. Um, again, the Pistons. I have to save the best for last. Okay. So, two other trades I like that didn't involve any of these teams. Okay. So, I did touch on the Hornets. I did touch on the Nets, but didn't want to really talk about them individually because I don't really respect either of them. Um, the Oklahoma City acquired Gordon Hayward from the Hornets. The Hornets got back Trey Mann, Vasile Micic, and Davis Bertans. Um, Nice low cost swing for the Thunder. You know, man wasn't playing for them really. And that man was, I thought, pretty good for them the last couple of years. So you have that going for you. Um, Bertans, we all knew Bertans was there to get traded. <laughs> Straight up. You don't keep a salary that big unless you're explicitly planning on trading him and came to fruition. And then. Obviously, Mitchich again, they signed him to like a $7 million contract. I believe the output was like 31 to 25. So, yeah, math works perfectly for a big trade like this. Hayward, it kind of is also perfect for the Thunder, too, because it's a low risk move because Hayward has a severe injury history, right? If he plays, that's extra depth for you. If he doesn't, which he's been prone to not play, especially in the second half of seasons, the last few years, really ever since he got to Charlotte. Um, 
So I'm going to pull up Gordon Hayward's just his games played ever since he got to Charlotte. Okay. Not even since he got to Charlotte. So 2018-19, year after his injury, 72, pretty good. Um, 2019-20, played 52, um, which that season that the Celtics played about 73 games. So he missed 20 games that year. Not too bad. Um, 2021, missed 28 games, only played 44. 21-22, missed 33 games, played 49. Um, 22-23, played 50 games. And this year, he's only played 25. And I'm not an expert, but I'm guessing they've played about 50 games already. I mean, I had the standings pulled up, but I don't know exactly how many they've played. So he's already missed about half of the games this year already. But he kind of fits their like ethos of, okay, this guy is skilled. He's going to move the ball. He can hit shots from the outside. It's actually kind of perfect for exactly what they're going for. Um, the thing with him is just, can he stay healthy? Like, it's actually kind of perfect. He's shooting um, 47% from the field, 36% from three. And his mid-range shot is butter. He can get to the mid-range shot anytime he wants still. He's a really good player. It's, again, it's all, with him, it's always just, can he stay healthy? That's literally the only question I'll have with him. And if he can stay healthy, I think it's a really good fit. And if not, you didn't give up any of your rotation players. So it's not really going to hurt you in the end. You just have a nice depth addition if you have you have in Hayward. The other trade, this, other than the Knicks trades, this might have been my favorite piece added today. And I hate that they added this guy. The Suns got Royce O'Neal and David Roddy from the... They got Royce O'Neal from the Nets, David Roddy from the Grizzlies. Um... They send out like four of their minimum guys. I think the one that hurts the most is Utah Watanabe. Um, Kata Bates Diop is another guy that went out. Um, Jordan Goodwin, who was a really the other player they got for Bradley Beal, along with Bradley Beal, excuse me. And then someone else, I don't remember who else they sent out, but basically just four minimum guys. That was literally it. They just sent out four minimum guys and got. Two rotation players to show for it. Maybe Roddy doesn't play in the rotation, but Royce O'Neal definitely will. And the guy's a hell of a shooter. The guy's not the best defender in the world, but playing next to KD, um, I never got to do the Suns week, but KD has been playing phenomenal defense this season. And playing next to KD, Royce O'Neal should be a, a damn good addition to that defense. You know, not have as much pressure on him as he did in Utah, being like the team's only good perimeter defender. So I'm excited for this fit. Um, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a fantastic fit. I don't know if it like raises them over the Clippers or the Nuggets for me, but I, this is going to be such I, I love this fit for them. I'm so mad that they got him and not like a team that was worse than them. But I'm not actually mad, but I, I just love that pair for them. Um, such a phenomenal fit. And now I have to talk about the Pistons. Okay. So they basically just said to hell with their team. Um, traded away Burks and Bogdanovich. 
Um, they traded for House and they just immediately cut him. Um, the Fontecchio trade. Um, earlier this month, they traded Gallo. They traded for Gallo and Mike Muscala, and they sent away Mike. They sent away Marvin Bagley Jr. or Marvin Bagley the third, excuse me, Isaiah Livers in two seconds. And then yesterday, um, Wednesday, they traded Monte Morris to the Wolves for Shake Milton, Troy Brown, and a twenty thirty second. They also released Joe Harris and Killian Hayes. Um, they released Ryan Archidiakno as well in the um, Knicks trade. So they're down to like a perfect roster. Not perfect, but like, you know, down to the acceptable roster size. Um, what a disgusting season for them. God. I can't believe, like, they weren't this bad last year. And they objectively had a worse roster. I don't understand, like, what they're doing, what they're trying to do. Um, I, the only player I like them acquiring was Grimes. Grimes, I think, could be like a player. But other than that, Muscala, <laughs> um, Shake Milton, Troy Brown, like, <laughs> Troy Brown was the 10th man on the Lakers who were famously known for overachieving. Like, Shake Milton was barely able to shake the Sixers rotation the last few years. I wouldn't even say he he made it into the Sixers rotation. He just was like on the fringes of it. Um I mean obviously Fournier. Fournier won't I wouldn't be surprised if Fournier is cut either, but who wants Fournier at this point? It's I I I just hate everything about this team. Like everything about this team it's just so bad right now. So bad. And I don't know if Monty just got the check and was like, okay, sweet. I can just take, I can just not take this seriously because this team has no reason to be worse than it was last year. Like it is honestly despicable how much worse they were. I'm going to pull up the 2022, 23 piston because there is no way they were seven and 43 at this time last year. There's just no way. Like they were bad last year. They were 17 and 65 last year. So they weren't good. They weren't good, but I doubt they were seven and 43 at the all-star break. No, no. So at the, um, on this exact date last year, on February 8th, they played more games. I think they started the season earlier. Um, so we'll, we'll scroll back a little bit to find the 50 game mark on February 8th last year. They were 14 and 42. Okay, they were 14 and 42. Now they did one of those like, you know, tank things where like, oh, we're all their healthy guys are gonna be hurt, you know, so we're gonna we're gonna lose all our games. So they only won three games the rest of the season. But this time last year, on February 10th last year, they won a double overtime game against San Antonio 138-131 to make them 15 and 42. Now again, they won two games after that. So it's not like you know, it was all sunshine and roses last year either. But, 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 I, I just, I can't, I hate that they, that they do this, you know, like that they think this is acceptable, that they think it's okay to be this bad. I understand, you know, like just looking at the overall depth of the league, right? Like Celtics 39 and 12, you know, 
Like if you just look in their division, Cavs 33 and 16, Bucks 33 and 18, Pacers 29 and 23, Bulls 24 and 27. All those teams are at over 500 or close to 500 in the Bulls case. So yeah, someone needs to be the laughing stock. Like there's 12, there's 12 decent teams. Oh, I'll say 10, 10 decent teams in the East. So you're going to have three punching bags because the Nets and the Raptors aren't that bad, even as much as I don't like them. But God, there's no reason for them to be this bad. There's no reason for the Wizards to be this bad. There's no reason for the Spurs to be 10 and 41. There's just not. I'm sorry. It's it's really despicable roster building. It's really just it's bad coaching from all three of them. I mean, Wes Unseld, I kind of brushed over it last week with Caleb, but Wes Unseld just got kind of unceremoniously kicked to the curb. I don't know if he necessarily deserved it, right? Because I don't think this is what he had in mind when he started there. But it it's I was told Pop was better than this, and I was told Monty Williams was definitely better than this. And like last year, the Spurs went 22 and 60. There's no way the Spurs sniffed 22 wins this year. Absolutely none. So I'm it's it's despicable. <laughs> I really it's okay. Last year, the Pistons were by far the worst team at 17 and 65. The Spurs and the Rockets were both 22 and 60. Hornets 27 and 55. The next worst record was the Trailblazers at 33 and 49. There's a good chance we have three teams with under 15 wins this year. That is certifiably insane. Certifiably. And the team that's going to be the worst out of all three of those has the coach who's the highest paid in the NBA. Well, was before Spolster signed his extension. Um, by the way, I never talked about that. Great extension. Love Spo. Um, He's going to be the highest paid coach in the NBA. And if like you want to say how the mighty have fallen, they were 17 and 65 last year. They might go 13 and 69 this year. And there's going to be three teams in their win range. I, 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 I'm at a loss for words. Um, I think I'm all tapped out. I'm, I'll take a look at the schedule folks um, for games of the week. Real quick, if I was going to do, I'll, I'll, I'll dive into my game of the week for this week. Um, I was going to do it at the beginning, but then I was like, yeah, there's no point. I'll bury it at the end here. If you're still listening, hello. Um, tweet at Alex before your favorite color if you're still listening this far. Um, so my game of the week last week was Heat Clippers. Okay. The Clippers won 103.95. Um, it was a fun game. You don't see a lot of games like this anymore. You know, <laughs> but I mean, the Warriors and Lakers just played a game last weekend where it was like 144, 142 or something like that. So, yeah, you're not going to, or was it like a couple weeks ago? It doesn't matter. It was pretty recent. Um, I think that seeing a game like that, right, between a team like the Clippers, who made a trade pretty early in the season that um, impacted them. I, I really like the Clippers approach now, right? Like you have a ton of different ways to attack. You have, you have Kawhi, obviously Kawhi is your number one option for sure. And for always, Paul George is your number two option for sure. And for always 
James Harden's your third option. Then you have Norm Powell. You have Russ. You have Amir Clavi stepped up in a big way. Terrence Mann, I, be, I would have to imagine is hurt. Terrence Mann's waiting in the wings. Um, you have Zubach, who's not a who's not a scrub. You have just so much, just so much to work with, and they're so dangerous. Like watching the game, right? Kawhi caught the ball at the elbow. Actually, it might have been at the top of the um, you know, the like elbow extended where at the three point line. And Hakez was guarding him. And Kevin Love was in the paint watching him. And Rozier was at the top of the key watching him. It's like Kawhi has a kind of gravity that can't be quantified with stats or numbers. He just is a monster. I'm so glad he's back at the level he's at. Um, there was a possession late in that game, too, where he just freaking took the ball. For, I don't remember who was driving, but he just stole it. He's just like, okay, I'm, you're done. I'm, I'm taking this ball now. And the game was over. Like, I think the Heat were like making a comeback, you know, like one of those fake comebacks at the last minute of the game. But Kawhi just was like, nope, we're not doing this anymore. And it was kind of like, okay, so this guy I think is like all the way back now. His teams are scared of him. His shots looking good. His athleticism's looking good. It he's such a like a threat when he's playing like that. It's it's hard though because I don't know how seriously Jimmy's taking the regular season. I'd like to see a matchup where Jimmy actually takes it seriously between the two of them. Um, I will say, Rozier. I think Rozier. I'd like to see him with a little more usage. But I think him catching it and getting a screen would be really, really dangerous for the Heat. I think that could make a lot of noise for them. But I'm also really, like, really starting to fall off the Heat wagon. I think that they they should have made some moves to, like, I don't know what else they could have done. They maybe need to pursue the buyout market actively because they need more firepower or something. I don't know what they need. But they can't keep going on like this. And... They're currently, I think, the seventh or eighth seed. Let me let me pull up the, um, the standings again real quick because they're they've fallen pretty far. Um, they're the seventh seed. Actually, they're only a game behind the Pacers right now, so they've they've kind of bounced back a little bit. But it was pretty dire there for a second. Um, and I, they just need they need improvement, right? Like they need to get better. And I don't know. I don't know where it's going to come from. So. Um, folks, I want to, if you listen this long, I want to thank you so much for listening. Um, make sure you check out our other wonderful stuff on the network. Make sure you check out Linsanity. Um, wonderful episode this week on Super Bowl. Also getting started on the college basketball season. Um, you know, making sure you're listening to back shoulder fade. Um, Zach Griffith and Caleb also touched a little bit on the NBA last night and they uh, touched on the Super Bowl mostly. And make sure you listen to our other awesome content. And folks, I just want to say thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week.